God bless you and welcome back to Yesterday Ended. I'm your host, Dennis Dobbin. Thanks for dropping by today. When you're stuck in a rut, it's hard to see the way out. You look at a wall on either side and turn around and look at the path. You've come and see darkness behind you. And you turn and look before you and see darkness. All too often we forget we can have a different perspective because we are seated in the heavenlies in Christ. We have a right to sit next to the Father on his throne. Only by the blood of Jesus do we have this right. You can look down on your path and see the way to go and the way to get out of your rut. So what is your point of view, your perspective concerning the challenges of your life? The old trick was to not call challenges a problem, but an opportunity to grow. Whatever you call them, we need to learn to see things differently. Give a listen. Is it a mountain or a molehill? Is it a puddle or an ocean? Or as I said in the intro, is it a problem or an opportunity? How we face the issues of our life determines the outcome. As we walk the path of life, do we walk it in faith or fear? Do we walk with the truth of our victory in Christ, or do we walk in doubt? Today's the day to look at things differently. What will you look at? The problem or the promise? I have a problem, but I don't know what's wrong. It's a problem that I've had so very, very long. I get flustered and I worry. I get tired and blue. I spend hours, days and weeks wondering what to do. The clouds roll over me, blocking out the sun, making me feel lonely, thinking I'm the only one. No one can help me or understand my plight. I want to run away, but my feet won't take flight. So I sit in my problem with no key to get out, and I pray for an answer, but fail due to doubt. And the burden of my problem gets so heavy to bear that I think in my mind that God really doesn't care. Yet all the time I wandered in this nightmare of fear, my Heavenly Father longed and desired to wipe away every tear. He beckoned and called. He shouted out to me by name, Reckon yourself dead to sin, my child. It's not you that's to blame. I love you now and forever. This will always be the case. And one day you will know this as we stand face to face. My righteousness you have will not fade but last. For I cleansed you and forgot all the things of your past. So please believe me when I tell you, my little one, that the price was all paid by my only begotten Son. It was for you that he gave his life and took away all your sin, that today you can walk boldly, knowing you can win. So forget about your problem. Don't acknowledge that it's yours. It was sin troubling and holding you behind those locked doors. But those doors I have opened and made you victorious and free. Just believe the promises I've written and what I've made you to be. I spent some time catching up with a neighbor of mine today. He told me of a challenge he and his wife face with her mother. Three years ago, her father passed away and now mom is a widow. She's 81 years old and is all alone. And as he put it, difficult to spend time with because all she does is complain. Do you have anybody in your life like that? 
any friends or family whose attitude is of a nature you'd rather not spend time with? It's not nice to admit it, but it's true. We love them, but we don't want to spend time with people who are blue. It's a minefield to ask somebody who is sick or depressed how they're doing today because you know what they're going to say. Now let's get a bit closer to home. Are you the one who has the blues? Do you see the silver lining in the cloud or is that lead instead? Are you looking down from your heavenly vantage point next to God or are you struggling to look up? Is God good? Is God faithful to his promises? Did Jesus die for you? Are you clothed in his gift of righteousness? How do you see yourself? In Psalm 73, the writer, Asaph, had a bit of a challenge as to how he looked at his life. We pick it up in verse 1. Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. Asaph complains for the next 13 verses about the bad things that are going on in the world. His focus is outward and not upward. He complains about the prosperity of the wicked and how they're getting away with being, well, wicked. He graphically describes them from verse 3 through verse 12, and then he complains about wasting his time trying to be good. Verily I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency, For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. Now, wouldn't he have been a cheerful person to hang out with? All the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. He had such a wonderful and sunny disposition. Not. And of course, none of us have ever been in that kind of situation. Asaph had the challenge of looking outward at the world. His focus was on people and situations. Here's a classic example showing us what we look at and focus on will determine our attitude and the possibility of any hope. I probably said it before and I'll say it again. I can't watch the news because I'd end up like him being miserable. But Asaph finally recognized his problem, which is revealed in verse 17. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. It is only when we are in the presence of God that we can have the proper perspective. When we are in his presence, then understanding comes to us. He speaks of the demise of the wicked in the next couple of verses and how it affected him. Thus my heart was grieved, and I was pricked in my reins. So foolish was I and ignorant. I was as a beast before thee. It's crazy sometimes how we let ourselves fall into such a rut as this. We get caught up in the things of the world and the people about us, and we don't spend the proper time in the presence of the Lord. We need to recognize how foolish it is to waste our time thinking about such things. I'm not trying to say it's wrong to listen to the news or be aware of the events that surround us. But for some of us, we need a bigger dose of God than we do of the news. 
Asaph continues recounting the truth of the situation. Verse 23, Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Ah, now that's a breath of fresh air. To remember that we can be continually with the Father and that he has a hold of us. He guides us with his word and calls us to him. We have him and he has us and he is our strength and portion forever. So take some time and consider your point of view on life today. Do you see the rose or just the thorns on the bush? Jesus warned us that living in the world, we would have mental pressure, but he also gave us the promise that he was victorious over the world. Now he abides within us, so we are also victorious and can be of good cheer. So let's say that this was Asaph on Monday. But around Friday, other things come up, and instead of looking outward, he turns on himself and looks inward. We pick it up in Psalm 77, verse 1. I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice, and he gave ear unto me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My sore ran in the night and ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. Salah. Thou holdest mine eyes waking. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I commune with mine own heart and my spirit made diligent search. Will the Lord cast off forever? And will he be favorable no more? Is his mercy clean gone forever? Doth his promise fail forevermore? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Salah. And I said, This is my infirmity. But I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. I will meditate also of all thy work and talk of thy doings. Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? The first few verses of Psalm 77 describe a person who is in a state of clinical depression. He is endeavoring to be in a state of prayer and seeking God, but his soul refused to be comforted. He remembers God and yet is still troubled. He complains and is overwhelmed. He is so troubled that he cannot speak. He searches his memories and endeavors to find an answer. He considers the character of God and feels he has been cast off, that his favor is no more. He continues to doubt God's graciousness and mercy, but finally he remembers what God has done for him and begins to meditate on what God has done, and begins to talk again of what the Lord has done. He finishes with praising God and saying, 
who is so great a God as our God? There have been a few days in my life when I have doubted God's love for me. I'm looking at myself and not him. But as I begin to consider the signs, miracles, and wonders that he has given to me in the past, I remember that he is always faithful. I have a phrase I have come to use to reinforce the promises of God in my life. That is, the quality of my life always increases. And that's a true statement. I am not free of challenges or problems, but I have come to view them with the optimism of the goodness of my Father and His great love and power that He brings into my life. Take a moment and remember one of His miraculous answers to a prayer of yours. You cried unto God with your voice, even unto God with your voice, and He gave ear unto you. The difference with us today is that we can read these Psalms and learn what not to do. God loves you now and forever. As I put it a couple weeks ago, I am already and always loved by him. Do you have his favor? You have his promise that he cares for you. So the question is, are you casting your cares to him, or are you just hoarding all your cares and being buried by them? I have good news for you. You've been quickened and raised and made to sit at the right hand of God in Christ. You've been given a heavenly perspective. He cares for you. Remember, he cares for you. Remember, Christ made you righteous. Remember, he will never leave you nor forsake you. Remember, God is good. Remember his faithfulness. Remember his grace. Remember his mercy. Remember his love. So what is your focus? The problem or the promise? What are you remembering? When you consider the promises of God, what are you left with? Hope or hopelessness? I've read the end of the book and we win. And we don't have to wait until the end for that victory. We are victorious now. Now we must remember all his promises. He is faithful that with every problem comes a promise of victory.